That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hill Varsity Club is opening in Omaha this May and is hiring for all hospitality positions. Do you love elevated food, exciting events, and having fun at work? Join our team by applying today at HillVarsityClub.com. Hill Varsity Club will feature a next-level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties. We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer at HVC this May. Apply for all front or back-of-house positions now at HailVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food, fitness, and mental health come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on MTK, Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, a podcast where fitness, nutrition, and mental health come to hang out. I'm Sasha. I'm Sadie. And today, we're very, 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 very excited to have a guest that we've been looking forward to slash trying to get on the show because we think it's a super important conversation. Um, I mean, my goodness, how long have we been trying to do, like, thinking Uh, about having this conversation? Months. I mean, today (laughs) on the show, we're super excited because a member of the MTK Holy Trinity is with us. (laughs) Like, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are Kelly Starrett, Stacey Sims, and Alton Brown here at Meathead Test Kitchen. So we have Dr. Stacey Sims, PhD, with us today, author of Roar, Um, Some stats about her. She was an exercise physiologist and nutrition scientist at Stanford University from 2007 to 2012. Maybe you've heard of them. They've had some good athletics teams every now and then, I've been told. Um, She's specialized in sex differences of environmental considerations for recovery and performance. So men versus women in regards to training and nutrition. Like We've started to talk about on the podcast how we weren't created equal. And she has really taken the deep dive with all of her medical and scientific background into this. And uh, she's written a book called Roar. So you've written this book. Um, we suggest it to anyone that has ovaries that ever asks us questions about yes. like fitness and nutrition ever. It's like, we, this is above our pay grade, but go read our girl Stacy. She, she knows what she's talking about. Um, so for anyone that wants to be a fit and healthy woman, like you've, you've heard all those questions. What finally clicked for you and made you decide to write that book? Uh, so it was the impetus really from my um, co-author, Celine Yeager, because she had, I've been working with her quite a bit because she was writing a lot for popular media. And then when I um, was involved in a sport and nutrition um, company and we launched a women's line, she came to test it all. And we had like a week long camp and talking about stuff. She goes, you need to get this wider. So she went and she pitched it to her publishers and they're like, yeah, let's do this. And then she emailed me, she goes, guess what? I was like, what? She goes, we're gonna take all your science and push it out into layperson terms. I was like, sweet, awesome. Um, yeah, so that was kind of how that came to be. It's like I always doing lectures and um, you know working behind the scenes but never had a platform to push it out until Celine is like, let's get this out as a book. That's awesome. That's always yeah. good. Re like it. It reaffirms that you're you're doing the right things. You're in the right place. When someone's like, "Hey, what you have is awesome," we need to tell everyone about it. It's like, really? Is it? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I've been saying this for twenty years, and now someone's listening. Yes. The beauty of social media. 
Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It definitely helps. Um, so women aren't small men. If anyone follows you on social media, they'll see that a lot. Like we talk often about how fitness and nutrition research is based on male bodies because it is. Um, but those days are are over or at least nearing being over. So tell us about how you're changing the game for strong ladies everywhere. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure I'm actually changing the game. Just <laughs> glad that the conversation is expanding, like what we're doing right here. Um, yes. But making people aware that uh, everything that we know has been based on a patriarchal model, like everything in biomedical research, sports science research, it's still pretty solid in sport across the board, not only just research, but sport in general. And so when people are like, well, why do we have to train women differently? And look at the research and, you know, like I say, women are not small men. You see some of the methodologies and it's starting to become better. But what people also don't understand is the culture of that research still needs to improve where you might have some good methodologies and you're finally taking the menstrual cycle into consideration but the protocols and the tests that are done are still based on male data and male um, protocols. You're looking at coaching, and coaching hasn't caught up yet. It hasn't changed in the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. So in the lab, slowly, 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 starting to get some good sound science, but how that disseminates out into the general population, unfortunately, has a long way to go. But the more that we see, like... Um, tracking apps, the more we're having these conversations, the more people are aware that it's not just sex disparities, but it's the entire environment and the culture around it. And we have to have that whole social change as well. Then we're starting to get somewhere. Yeah, I like the the shift that we've been seeing in sport personally. So I was a high, I, I played sports throughout my entire childhood until I was in high school. And then I just was like, ah, I got burned out in high school. Um, but it's been great to see the changes over the last even just 15 years between like the thoughts surrounding weight training and female athletes now. Oh, yeah. like, when I was playing softball in 2002, I was a wet noodle and I was almost hitting those over the fence. If I had been lifting, complete game changer. Like I think about yeah. how much better our teams would have been back then had our coaches actually cared enough to talk to us about lifting, but lifting was only for the dudes. Mm -hmm. And specifically, really only for the football players. Yeah, I had... Uh, the advantage that lifting is just part of rowing. And so I started lifting in high school, way back when it wasn't cool. And so it's just <laughs> been kind of the, the thing to do. And through my entire sporting aspirations, I've always been in the weight room and I've seen the evolution. I used to be the only woman in the gym doing deadlifts, right? And now you see every woman in the gym doing deadlifts and hip thrusts and bench press and complex movements. It's like, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been really cool to see women gain that confidence in the gym. And that, for us, has been one of our favorite things about having a podcast where we talk about that stuff is, A, flipping the middle finger to the patriarchy, because let's be totally. honest, what good yeah. has it done for us lately? Right. Um, but, but it's just been really cool to walk into a gym. And, yeah, you see way more girls there than you used to back in the day. Like, probably at least... 100% more women. I, I'm usually yeah. not the only chick in the weight room anymore, and it's awesome. Right, 
It is. Yeah. It's so good. And the other women that are in the weight room aren't picking up like the three pound dumbbells and yes. doing 20 reps, right? They're actually right. lifting. I'm so, so glad yeah. that we're done having this toned conversation. Just lift oh, the I was, yeah. I was actually going to ask a question about that because I think for the most part, we're like nearing that end, hopefully like yeah. fingers crossed. But I also think that there's a subset of, of females out there who still believe that if they lift heavy weight, they're automatically going to get bulky or oh too muscular. Can you kind of talk about one, <laughs> the process that it would take to actually achieve the mental picture they have in their head? And then two, maybe like flip off the patriarchy. Sure. So uh, the image of Miss Olympia, right? Mm -hmm. We want to dispel that because that is really, really impossible. Um, for the average woman to achieve. So first we look at like sex differences and the muscle architecture and muscle fibers. We have more slow twitch. We don't have a lot of the ability to, to bulk up. We don't have the enzymes to create that big muscle. Plus we, although we do produce testosterone, we don't have a lot of it. And we do have the ability to regenerate and to build lean mass, but not get bulky especially if you're adding any kind of endurance. So women who are lifting and then doing a cardio session or going for a run, that automatically like cancels out any possibility of getting bulky. I know that the older population, like the 45 onward set, still has this mentality of, oh, I shouldn't go to the gym because it's the whole growing up with uh, supermodels and Jane Fonda and all that kind of stuff. But when we actually look at physiology, it's really, really, really difficult for women to get bulky unless they're putting their extreme mind to it. Like they're eating a lot. They're just lifting and lifting heavy. They're going to the gym, you know, six times a week and they're putting extreme effort into getting those muscles. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I tell people because I've done it. Like I've, I've had the experiment of how fucking jacked can I get? Because I feel like every woman that lifts weights has had that at some point. Like how big can I really get? How hard is this? Spoiler alert, really difficult. You have to eat a shit ton. Oh yeah. And you're yeah, working yeah, out yeah. two hours a day for like two hours at a time. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's not sustainable unless like it's your job. Right. Really, honestly. And then, and then in my case, it's like, as soon as I go for a run, Right. I lose my ass. Yep. <laughs> I have people go, what happened to your butt? And I'm like, well, oh, I've been job. doing a, yeah, I've been doing a couple of runs a week. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, damn, but the strength doesn't go. Just the yeah. tissue goes, right? So yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you can it's be wild. strong. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think that, um, it may be worth spending like a couple more seconds talking about cardio because I think that what we see a lot, or at least I've seen a lot in my experience going to the gym is that automatically um, a lot of folks, especially if they're embarking on a fat loss journey specifically, think that they have to do just like nonstop cardio all of the time in order to achieve their goals. Can you kind of dispel that myth? Oh, totally. There's a few <laughs> things about that that I'm like, eh. Um, where do I start? So first we look at the whole mentality of calories in, calories out, right? And we know that from a mathematical equation, it makes sense, but from a human body, it doesn't because the quality of calories and how they're used completely different, right? So we're not looking at energy expenditure. And I hate Christmas time when all those health magazines put out, you ate three cookies, you have to run on the treadmill for 30 minutes because it's yeah. complete bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So that's the first thing we have to dispel is that energy expenditure is the way to lose body fat. It's not. It's like you have to look at clean diet, lifting to change body composition. And then think of cardio as like the actually what it's for, cardiovascular health. Then we think about fasted training, right? And I hate that. Uh -huh. Like, oh, I'm trying to lose body fat, so I'm going to go do my cardio session fasted. It's the worst thing in the world for women to do, especially if they're trying to budge body composition. Because we don't do well without carbohydrate. We know that women can perform better and change their body composition when they are doing fed, not fasted training, because there's a whole cascade of events. And a lot of women go and they do that moderate intensity of cardiovascular training. So it's like in that gray zone, mm -hmm. which is too hard to be easy and it's too easy to be hard. Mm -hmm. So they're just boosting their cortisol level and their baseline cortisol comes up. If they've done fasted training or low sleep, it's up even more. And when you start compounding all of that or delaying food after your session, then you end up with this quagmire of elevated cortisol signaling to hold on to body fat and signaling to turn down your resting metabolic rate. So when we think about cardio, it has to be really specific. It has to be polarized if you're trying to change body composition. If you're focused on lifting, then the cardio should be a few Tabata, like high intensity, hit that top, top end. And you have to say, okay, if I'm, my focus is strength, I'm doing strength, then I'll top it off with cardio. So it's really, really planned. And a lot of people don't have a plan. They're just like, oh, I need to go for a run because I ate too much. But that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. And like when you break down, you mentioned carbs and we talk about carbs a ton. Like we hate keto for fat loss. Like keto for yeah. fat loss is the worst fucking thing that has ever happened to how people totally. eat, I think, in human history. It's so dumb. And I like so I just recently got my my fitness coach certification. So it has my personal training and I got my nutritionist certificate. So like you talk about carbs and all I'm thinking of is the ATP transfer that's going on. Yeah. Right in my in my brain, that's what's running through right now, that diagram. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can't do any of that if you don't have any fuel. No, it, it literally you can't create it out of nothing. So you just start like stressing your body even more. What's the point? Yeah, I know. And then and the thing about it is women have a greater sensitivity of no carbs than men. So if we think about like the hypothalamus where there's appetite control, endocrine control, because we have menstrual cycles, we have two areas in the brain that are need to be adequately fueled in order to keep the endocrine system and metabolic actions going. But men have one. So this is why you see fasted training, keto, intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, all these weird things around training working so well for dudes because their threshold is different from women. Yep. But as soon as women start trying to do it, it, it just is a, it's a neuro thing and the brain is like, uh -uh, no, we can't do that. It's too much stress. Can you talk a little bit more about how hormones affect women's training specifically? Um, I think we get a lot of questions about it and I, I have heard things before, but I don't really know how to answer them because I'm not the guru in this field um, and on that topic. But I think that um, I've heard that there's like a training period where you lift the best. You might get some PRs that you weren't expecting, but then there's another window in which you're probably going to be a garbage truck of not lifting great. Can you kind of expand on why that is or how that is or if any of that's even true? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so this comes through looking at the way that women train and taking away the male lens. And we know that our sex hormones can be an ergogenic aid. 
So if we're looking at our menstrual cycle and the way that we're tracking our menstrual cycle, um, in the low hormone phase, so day one is the first day bleeding, up to ovulation, and that's low hormone. This is where we are, quote, more like men, where we can access carbohydrate well, we have better pain tolerance, our immune system is really resilient to stress, we recover better, and then right before ovulation, as estrogen starts to come up, we have a better ability for hitting PRs and recovering because estrogen in itself is anabolic. Then after ovulation, when estrogen and progesterone start to come up, the way they interplay changes our physiology where we conserve carbohydrate, have a really, really hard time accessing it. So we rely more on fatty acids. We also have a slower um, actin myosin um, response because estrogen is, is tightly tied to myosin. So our contractions aren't as strong. We also have progesterone that breaks down lean mass um, because its job is to supply fuel for growing the endometrial tissue. So after ovulation, about the first five days, as those hormones are starting to come up, this is where we kind of drop the load and look more steady state. And then the five days before your period starts where you have a peak of those hormones and then they drop off again, we have a total inflammatory response and our body is under a lot of stress, and this is where we should look to deload. So if we're looking at tracking and training according to our menstrual cycle, when women's cycles are longer, we have an advantage because our follicular phase is extended. So we have more opportunity to hit it hard. And it's looking at those five-ish days before the period starts as the permission to deload and just recover looking at doing all the mobility stuff that Kelly talks about, right? And really getting that deep recovery. And there's a lot of chatter uh, on social media and in the um, science world about how menstrual cycle doesn't really affect performance. It doesn't really affect training. And we hear this all the time. And it's because no one's definitively saying, look, there's training and there's performance. So we know that there's no negative point in the menstrual cycle for performance, for that one acute point in time for performance. But if we want to take advantage of our hormones to get that training effect, then we want to track and train according to the menstrual cycle because we know that these hormones do affect every system of the body. Yeah, I've so I have an IUD and I've had, I'm on my second one, so I've had them for a while. Um, I noticed immediately as soon as like, I hit baseline again after all my hormones had readjusted, my training was next level. When you don't get a period anymore, you're constantly just fucking crushing and it's awesome. But I can tell now when my body's like, hey, it's time to have a period because like for two weeks, I feel like I'm just complete garbage in the gym. It's like, oh yeah. no, I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, but you can modify your training and that's yeah. a benefit, right? Because yeah. a lot of women, they don't know that. So they're like, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm, I didn't recover well enough. I'm too stressed. I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't eat well. I ate too much. And it's yeah. all those negative thoughts that really affect things. So if we track and we, and we do our training according to our cycle, then it gives us that, oh, I know my period's coming. Mm -hmm. Right. And I always, I always notice, like, since I've been tracking my period a little bit better, I know about right when I need to like, just back it off because probably my form's going to be crap. I'm going to be frustrated because I could do this a couple days ago. And right now I can't, cause I'm just, my insides are sloughing themselves off and being pissed off because they didn't get pregnant. Yeah. And so on fire and barbed wire. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it got dressed for the party and no one showed up. So now it's pissed. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> now you pay. 
<laughs> I'm going to use that. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I made a damn cake and nobody came. What the hell? Yeah, I know. I love it. I'm going to use it. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, we also hear a, pun- a bunch from our listeners that they don't believe us when we say that they should be eating more than 1,200 calories a day. Um, and I know you kind of discussed this a little bit earlier, but can you go a little bit deeper on the importance of eating enough, especially for anyone who's doing fitnessy things? Yeah. So first and foremost, we know that nutrient timing is really, really important for women. You need to fuel for your workout and recover from it. Um, one thing that is obvious but not said is that we don't get fitter during our training. We get fitter after. So we break down everything and the stress is during training. So if you aren't fueling for that stress, then you can't hit the metrics that you want to and you're putting your body under undue stress. So I'm like, well, why are you training? What's the point? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the body won't change body composition in a positive manner, building lean mass and and getting that look that people are after if you don't have abundance. So if you don't have enough calories to support just general health, as well as the training and the nutrients needed for recovering, then you're not going to see any change. So we look at it as a catabolic state. So when you wake up, your body's kind of in a breakdown state. It's been sleeping, it's been repairing. So you need a bit of fuel, get into your training, do your training, then recover after because we know that when women delay their food intake after training, they're in this breakdown state. And this causes the body to get the signals to turn down resting metabolic rate. Even within four days, you start to get thyroid dysfunction. Your metabolic rate starts to take a downward turn. And it signals to the brain in in the areas that I was talking about earlier to kiss peptin um, to say, hey, wait, we're having these problems, so we better like hold off on menstrual cycle. We'd better start downturning our hormones. And we get into this quagmire of not eating enough. We're not seeing the results that we want. We start getting um, menstrual cycle dysfunction. We start getting gut issues, stress fractures or stress reactions depression, anxiety, poor sleeping, and all that comes from not enough food. And we need to look at like 1200 calories is not even a basal metabolic rate sitting on the couch watching Netflix kind of intake. So I get so frustrated when I see like guys at the gym who are trying to train women to be cut for a show and they're like 1100 calories. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I tell people, okay, let me tell you this way. A newborn baby's caloric intake, like nutritional caloric intake recommendation is a thousand calories. Why the fuck are you only eating 200 more calories a day than a baby? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Not to mention like the really shitty relationship it gives you with food. Um, You see everything is bad because only so much will fit. I mean, and it's 1200 calories is not much. That's like four Mm -hmm. snacks. Like, Mm -hmm. really? I know. Yeah. Yeah. If you have, if you have meat and like potatoes and, you know, vegetables, that's two meals. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's all you get. You can't live on two meals. Like, no, you can't. Uh, I don't want to. (laughs) No. No, uh, Uh -uh. (laughs) Such a miserable existence. You're just pissed off all the time. I know. Well, my kid, you know, she doesn't quite understand what angry from lack of food means. She gets grumpy and tired. I'm like, you need to eat. I'm not hungry. I'm like, eat some food. So get her to eat. And she's all happy go lucky. I'm like, adults should learn from that because I don't want to work with someone who's hangry. For real. Oh it's gosh. just not fun. Some <laughs> yeah. of the best life advice I ever received was when you think everyone hates you, go to sleep. 
But when you think yeah. everyone eat. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 This is it. I'm a bear when I'm hungry, especially when I'm hangry. Like it's been yeah. like six hours. That's way too long to go out food. Yeah, <laughs> my poor no. husband. He's like, are you good now after we eat? I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry <laughs> for what I said when I was hungry. Also, yeah. when you play Mario Kart. But we also get a ton of questions about fitness and pregnancy. Um, and Sasha and I have not had kids. So when it comes to pregnancy questions, we're just like, eh? Um, so when it comes to staying strong and eating well while growing your baby, what are some of your tips for our listeners that are, so one specific listener, she emailed us last week. She's like, I'm 13 weeks pregnant. I need help. And I was like, girl, we got the answer for you, Jocelyn. There you go, Jocelyn. We're going to answer your question right now. Cause she's 13 weeks along and she is like kind of in the weeds about what she should be doing. Cause there's so much information online and she doesn't really know which, which one is right. Yeah. Turn off the internet. Yeah. Don't listen to the internet for one. Um, and when we're looking at what research is out there for pregnant women, there isn't a lot that will push women who are used to training, right? Because you have a really difficult time getting ethical approval to push as hard as you want. So we have to go on case studies. So when we look at case studies, women who are already active, if they keep doing what they're doing, then they're fine. There's within reason, like when I was pregnant, I was bike racing and racing world level and then all of a sudden I couldn't go anaerobic. I was like, I can't sprint, what's going on? And then I was like, oh shit, I'm pregnant. So my body was inherently telling me, hey, wait a second, you need to slow down. So when women really listen and go, oh, well, I can't go anaerobic, you know, that's good. But the other thing is you do want to keep stressing your body because when you have a little bit of hypoxia to the placenta, it increases the amount of blood vessels that grow. So then your baby gets more nutrients. And there's a lot of fear of like Valsava maneuver or going too hard and the heart rate up because it's poor for the baby. I still have some military doctors who say you'll shake the baby loose when you're running. It's like, what? No, come on. It's surrounded by the sack and it's in a, an organ. It's fine. Caveman babies were born all the time when they were out running dinosaurs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So unless you have some kind of medical contraindication where you have preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure or prediabetes, you know, so there's something that makes you have to have a pause. You keep doing what you're doing. Your body tells you what you can do with regards to nutrition, eating a variety of whole foods and knowing that it's not eating for two in the first trimester. It might be 100 calories extra a day. Second trimester is about 150 calories extra a day, and the third trimester is about 300. So it's not that much more than it's an extra snack. Um, and when you are paying attention to your body, you're eating whole foods, and you definitely are fueling for your training. It benefits you, and you have a healthier pregnancy, easier delivery, and your baby gets a genetic change to be able to be healthier, keep body composition better. Um, we know that uh, the more kind of in utero stress they have, the better they're able to handle stress when they're out, both immune system and, and physical and mental stress. So there's so many benefits of listening and stressing and just really paying attention. Yeah, we've got, um, so we're, we're based in Omaha, Nebraska, and we have Stacy Tovar in town, and she actually was doing some competition stuff while she was <laughs> carrying her baby. And like you see, you see a lot of athletes do that now. Like you've seen Catherine or not Catherine David's daughter, uh, Annie Thor's daughter has done it. Yep. Cara Webb has done it. Like 
these women have always competed at this super high level. It's like, well, we've been doing it forever. Why would we change now? But people get so up in arms about it. Like it's, I know it's so absurd. Let the woman that's growing the baby fucking knows best. Let her grow the baby. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I had a, I had an old Italian man yell at me when I was mm-hmm. out riding my bike. I was like, I just, I've been riding my bike and racing at a high level and I'm going to keep riding, but I'm riding by myself. So I rode up the hill which we would always do slowly and I got off at the general store to get some more hydration. I walk in and the guy behind the counter starts yelling at me and then his wife starts yelling at him and she turns to me and she goes, he wanted to know who was behind you to catch the baby if you happen to have the baby when you were riding your bicycle and that you shouldn't be riding your bicycle. <laughs> I just start laughing and then she goes, and I told him to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yes. Unsolicited yeah. advice. Yeah. If yeah. like, that's a that's a good rule right there. If you're not paying somebody for their advice, just don't give them your advice. Don't give them, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't they don't want it. Um, so what about if someone's looking for supplement ideas or if they're going plant based while pregnant? Do you have any suggestions for them to look at to adding into their repertoire? Yes, creatine, creatine. Oh, love creatine. It's the best. Every woman and especially pregnant. Um, but not like the bodybuilding 20 grams a day kind of stuff, right? It's the three to five grams. It's so important for women to have creatine across the lifespan, especially during pregnancy. It's the most studied supplement that's out there. So of all of them, creatine. Like most people are like, aren't you going to say iron or vitamin D? I'm like, no, 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 no. creatine. <laughs> creatine. Yeah, creatine. That's that's one of those beautiful things that people people that don't know about how bodies work don't understand creatine. They're like, oh, it's going to make you huge. And it's like, no, your body makes creatine. You're just giving it extra yeah. to keep growing yeah. things. And exactly. there's nothing wrong with that. And they're like, oh. Like, yeah. Have you and ever women, read about a thing? <laughs> and women have 70% of the stores that men do. And mm-hmm. we need it for our gut, our brain, for um, building tissue, everything. And it's super important when you're pregnant and growing a baby. They yeah. creatine. So if you are pregnant and you're asking what supplement you should be taking in addition to any prenatal vitamins, creatine. Creatine. And yeah. if you're a woman in general, what I just heard was you probably should be taking it regardless. Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. Exactly. Um, kind of on that a little bit, is there like a best training option for folks that were born with ovaries, like i.e. a training split or periodization that can capitalize on gains or is it just overall like strength training if i were to say the one thing that every woman should be doing is strength training and as you get older it's lifting heavy shit it's none of the like hypertrophy kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so when we think about the neuromuscular aspect that happens and changes when our hormones start to fluctuate and go down with peri and postmenopause we need to lift heavy because we're losing a pathway for um lean mass development So when we think about the three primary pathways, we have mechanical stress, we have amino acids, and we have IGF-1 and and estrogen. So when we start to lose estrogen, then we really need to look at the mechanical stress and following it up with protein. So women get in the habit before they get to that point, then they have less of an issue. And you think about when I'm 90, I want to still be carrying my groceries and walking like without a Zimmer frame. So strength training does that it's bone health it's muscle health it's spinal health it's joint health and then you're adding cardiovascular stuff for um if you're a long time endurance athlete for that hit but also for cardiovascular health and circulation yeah that's perfect 
you should be able to train until you're like 104 and that's proof right there like you yes. didn't just hear it from us because apparently if you ask some men on the internet we're dumb bimbos that don't know anything so an actual fucking phd holding doctor <laughs> is telling you you can lift until you're 104 as long as you do it right that's the biggest thing pay attention to form if it doesn't feel right then don't do it or modify it talk to a professional that's why personal trainers exist but exactly um, and if you need proof, then you go look at my 105-year-old grandmother yeah. living by herself in West Lafayette who gets up every morning and does push-ups against the wall, sit to stand in her chair, and she's like, it's Stacy's fault. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, hope, take I that. hope I make it that long. And if I make it that long, then I'm still that mobile. That's awesome. See that? Yeah. Yes. The proof is in the pudding, and the pudding is your grandma. There so, you go. Yep. Strong-ass pudding. Yeah, <laughs> I have no, I have no hope for dying early. Yeah, right. Y'all, y'all are stuck with me. Fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about your "We Are Not Small Men" course and how it's the next step beyond your book, Roar? Yeah. So Roar came out in 2016. And I want to update it, but we have another book yeah. coming out in May first. So in the interim, um, I've taken concepts of the book and expanded it with new science and broken it down into chapters. So the "Women Are Not Small Men" course is pretty much in-depth physiology, but disseminated into practical terms. So I tell you what's happening, why it's happening, and then what what do you do with that information? And it's a tidy little course. It's about 72 hours worth of video and information, um, but it's as in-depth as you get, talking about natural cycle, um, oral contraceptive pill, perimenopause, postmenopause, puberty, all the things that happen there, how to eat, how to train, all throughout the lifestyle. And then we have one that's specific to menopause because after Roar came out, then everyone's like, well, what about us when we're in our (laughs) 40s and beyond? And so we got into developing the menopause for for athletes and knowing that anyone who exercises on purpose is an athlete so it talks about all the changes hormone replacement therapy or not what are some of the alternatives what kind of training you should change what kind of nutrition things you should change and then how to implement it Um, and then our book that comes out in may is next level and it's for that peri postmenopause set so yeah, if you have Roar and then you want to get a book for your mom or someone, then you can get Next Level. It's I'm hoping way. I'm hoping I enter Next Level stage soon. I'm one of those people that is like impatiently waiting for menopause. I'm like, Judge Judy in it over here. Hurry the fuck up. Let's go. We're closing up shop. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> but no, it's super useful. And menopause is one of those things, thankfully, that like the conversation surrounding it has changed so much in the last 10 years. Like, yes, for some reason, it used to have this weird stigma that your life was fucking over when you hit menopause. And it's like, we're not just baby factories. We're humans that have brains and ambitions and talents. And we can go do all this shit, even though we can't make kids anymore. It's like, what the fuck? I know. Yeah. We say that we're whales, which sounds what? Whales. <laughs> but when you look at the whale pods, the oldest of the pod is often the female who has gone through whale equivalency of menopause and is like the dominant one who is the leader. I was like, yep, I'm, I'm going to be a whale. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a whale. Yep. The wisest one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So your, your upcoming course is happening very soon. Women are not small men. Um, and you have a, a, a discount deal for people that are listening today, correct? Yes, we do. Oh, cool. We do. 
So um, you have to go to sign up, and then you get um, sent the discount code, and um, then it gets applied when you decide that you actually want to purchase. So. Okay, cool. And where can where can they do all that at? You can go through the Dr. Stacy Sims webpage, where okay. it talks about the courses and what's coming up. Or if you um, go to some of the social media and. It's either Instagram or Facebook, Dr. Stacey Sims, cool. and we're putting up all the information about it. So if you click on one of the posts, it'll bring you right to where you need to sign up to get through everything. Cool. We'll make sure awesome. to tag those in our show notes so that they're right cool. there when people go in there awesome. so that they're easy to find. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, you want to repeat your social handles one more time? We'll put those in the show notes too, but just yeah. extra self promotion. <laughs> yeah. Any, any, it's yeah. like wherever, anything your husband you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just Dr. Stacy Sims on Instagram and Facebook and the webpage. Awesome. Easy. Easy, this easy. has been amazing. And I was, you know, we knew that it would be, you have such great information. You're also a wealth of information. Um, and we've been really been looking forward to doing this. So we thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank no, you. thanks for having me. It's been fun, 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 fun. Dude. I am so glad that we were finally able to have her on. Like we have seriously for, especially our female audience been trying to get her on. I'm not going to lie for like three months. She's a very sought after interview. She's a very busy lady. People need vacations. And so, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's that was been, great. It's been a while. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm super happy that we actually got to sit down and talk with her. Hopefully we get to talk with her again. Um, hopefully yeah. as, as a listener, we answered some of your questions. I know we couldn't get to all of it. I would love to have her for 90 minutes, but people at shit to do and it's morning time <laughs> where she is. So she's got a whole ass day ahead of her. Um, but super, super glad that we got to do that. If you have any other questions, always feel free to email us. Hello at meatheadtestkitchen.com. Meathead Athletics is live, motherfucker. Meatheadathletics.com for more ebooks, training, nutrition services. Oh my, we've got it all. Meatheadathletics.com. Um, if you have any other questions about the pod or for us about training your nutrition, always feel free to hit us on the socials. We're everywhere. We're like the clap <laughs> at hello or, uh, at meathead test kitchen everywhere, except for Twitter. We're at MTK staff. You can always hit the email box at hello at meathead Don't forget that we have merch for your needs. If you mm-hmm. want to pimp, MTK everywhere you're at uh, shop.herdatmedia.com. It's in the link in our bio. It's on yes. our website, meatheadtestkitchen.com. Please go to meatheadathletics.com. Sign up if you want us to help you out. Um, we got like a bazillion other desk. things we could talk about right now, yes. but uh, we're not going to vote Midwest goodbye it again. No. <laughs> go vote for us the Sports Podcast Awards. We love yes, you. Please. Meathead Test Kitchen out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK. A Huda Media Production.